Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. Today we are in delight, Discipleship as the Adventure of Loving and Being Loved. And we've been reading this book uh, online every weeknight at 7 p.m. here on Facebook Live. So glad you got to join us again today. Thanks for being here with us. Uh, last night we kind of were going to press on to finish the chapter and it just kind of was too much. So we stopped. I'm going to reset and and begin with this section called Praying for Delight that begins on page 174. You know, when, uh, when Jesus, uh, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and when they asked, Jesus responded with a prayer that we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And in the, in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus also teaches us to pray uh, for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And tonight I want to explore a little bit what, of what it means for us to pray for God's will to be done if God's will is tied directly to God's delight. So I wonder what you are praying for tonight. Uh, if you want to add a prayer request to the comment section in the video tonight, our Next Step community will be glad to pray for you. I know lots of people praying for lots of different things. Uh, I've got a, a cousin, Sarah, who was just interviewed by BBC as she's an emergency, she's an ER doctor in, in Montana, and she was being interviewed by BBC about the COVID and the uprise of COVID in some of the Western states. So I want to keep Sarah in, in my prayers. And I've got an Uncle Steve and Aunt Shauna who are out in Colorado, outside Denver, outside Boulder in Lyons. And there's a forest fire that was threatening evacuation. And I thought they'd been cleared, but I guess although the snow helped dampen the fire some, there's still some threat to their local area there. So I want to keep Uncle Steve and Aunt Shauna in our prayers. Uh, Miriam's great Aunt Elva, you know, we've been talking about her and praying for her. And she seems to be doing much better. And we're very thankful for that. And I want to say hi to Aunt Elva because she listens regularly. She's one of my most faithful listeners. So we want to keep Aunt Elva in our prayers. What are you praying for tonight? Who's important in your life? And how do you pray? When you pray, Lord, your will be done. I, I, it seems to me when I pray, but your will be done, it usually comes at the end of a prayer. And it often means, I mean, I don't expect you to do, it, to do anything. But, you know, just in case. So please heal, heal my friend, but your will be done. Like, not planning on it, right? So how do you pray for God's will, especially when suffering's involved? And that was part of the chapter. If God's will directs our adventure of discipleship, then, then what does it mean for God to allow suffering, for suffering to be a part of God's will, even if it's a broad understanding of will? And for God to take pleasure in or delight in the suffering of his own beloved son, that becomes really problematic. And so over the course of this chapter, we've been reading it now for three nights in a row. This is our fourth night just in this chapter. We're, we're almost two-thirds of the way done with the book. And one of the key concepts is that here, as we think of things like obedience or obeying what Jesus commanded, that, that really, biblically speaking, that means something more than, than just kind of we think of a you know doggy obedience school or something like that. This is not just following the rules. This is holding on to, hearing and holding on to, and living out God's commands, but also God's promises. So you can uh, you can carry out and and live out things like uh, put these words of mine into practice. But you can also live out I'm with you always. So what does it mean to hear God's promise and and hold on to it and and live it out? That's part of what it means to obey. 
And when God delights in the suffering of Jesus, he's not just delighting that, that Jesus is hurting. That, that almost is offensive, isn't it? But, but rather, Jesus' suffering, especially we looked at uh, the part of Scripture in Isaiah called the, suffering, the Song of the Suffering Servant of Yahweh. In that near context, it, it's the suffering of this, this faithful servant that brings God's pleasure. But more than that, as the delight of Yahweh prospers in the suffering servant's hands, the suffering servant also sees the light of life. So I think probably Jesus' suffering is supposed to be tied to not just his suffering, but his death and his resurrection, his incarnation, his return. It's kind of a big picture idea there that God delights in Jesus' suffering and death and resurrection. And I think our suffering is that way too. Our suffering ties us to Jesus. The suffering of the people we love also ties them to Jesus. Jesus becomes like us in our suffering so he can be with us always. And we can delight that that suffering draws us also closer to God in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean the suffering's fun. It means we know there's a bigger picture and our suffering fits within a story that's bigger than my own pain. So with all that in mind, let's turn to page 174, thinking about the people you're praying for and I'm praying for tonight. And uh, let's read on page 174. This is called Praying for God's Delight. <clears throat> How many times have you prayed the Lord's Prayer in your life? How many times have you paid attention as you prayed the Lord's Prayer in your life? Don't answer that, and don't feel bad about it either. Focused prayer is really hard. That's one reason we pray again and again and again. I remember an anecdote about Martin Luther, appropriate since uh, Reformation is just around the corner. You probably celebrated Reformation this last Sunday. The 31st is sneaking up on us. I remember an anecdote about the reformer Martin Luther. Brother Martin reportedly bet his friend couldn't get through the entire Lord's Prayer without his thoughts wandering. Luther let the man into a closet, shut the door, and promised not to distract him. Luther was so confident of victory, he bet his own horse. When Luther's friend came back out, he was shaking his head. With a rueful smile, the friend reported that the prayer went really well. He got all the way to, for thine is the kingdom, when he began to wonder if the horse came with the saddle. Sustained focus, sustained focused prayer is hard. Meaning what you pray is hard, meaning even the Lord's Prayer ain't easy, in part because you pray it all the time. But what do you mean by the Lord's Prayer? Let's start there. What do you think you're doing when you pray the Our Father? What kind of prayer is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? If I imagine God's will as the cold, calculating good for you, but you won't like it, pill you have to swallow, then thy will be done usually means something like, go ahead, have what you want, God, even though I know I won't like it. But God's will is tied directly to God's delight. What if we prayed... Our Abba in heaven, your kingdom come, your good pleasure be done. What if we prayed, Our Father, your desire, yes, please be done. 
What if Jesus is teaching us to pray, Our Father, your kingdom come, your delight be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take a brief look at the prayer Jesus taught us. It takes on new meaning when you know what you're praying. It takes on new meaning when you know that you are praying for delight. You are asking God to do the things God actually delights in doing. You're inviting the Spirit to shape you to delight in and do the things that God delights in. The Lord's Prayer teaches us to delight in God's will and to walk in God's ways to the glory of God's holy name. Our Father who art in heaven. Jesus begins his prayer with relationship. Abba, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus is placing the same Abba prayer on our lips that he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. This prayer for delight is grounded in relationship. You are not a slave, you are a beloved child. And you ask for God's delight to be done in your life as a darling child asks their loving father. You are also praying for obedience, but the obedience that flows from relationship, the obedience of delight in God's will as you observe God's ways to the glory and hallowing of God's holy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Just as the beloved son prays, Father, your will be done, he teaches beloved daughters and sons to pray, Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Praying for God's kingdom to come is praying for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And praying for God's will, yes, please, to be done is praying for God's delight to be a reality in us and through us. Thy kingdom come, thy delight be done. God actually delights in saying yes to this prayer. This is exactly what filled Jesus with the joy in the Spirit and made him jump up and spin around and go, Woohoo! The Father delights in revealing the kingdom, not to the wise and learned, but to the little children. This means you. Or as Jesus says in another place, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure. Wow! Thoughtful delight to give you the kingdom. That's Luke 12, 32. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 1 Timothy 2. This is good and it is pleasing. Wow! In the sight of God our Savior who desires, yes, please, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God's thoughtful delight and desirable delight is to bring people into the eternal kingdom. When you pray for God's kingdom to come, you are praying for God's delight to be done. But it doesn't stop there. Give us this day our daily bread. When you ask God to supply for your daily needs, you don't come as a beggar. Your Father loves to daily and richly, richly provide all you need to support this body and life. You are asking God to do what God loves to do and would do even if you didn't pray. But when you pray for your daily bread, the Spirit works in you in an attitude of dependence. You receive your daily bread with open hands and a thankful heart in a way you miss if you receive the same daily bread, the same daily gifts with no thought for the giver. 
and God delights in that dependence. Jesus himself is dependent on the Father for everything he needs. As the Spirit shapes that daily dependence in us, it delights the Father. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When you go to your Heavenly Father burdened by guilt, you are not facing a cold, calculating, impartial judge who only begrudgingly lets you off if the evidence against you is not sufficient. No, you come to a God who loves to forgive. You come to a God who takes no delight in the death of the wicked, but who loves it when sinners turn back. You have a God who celebrates when the prodigal returns, a God who absolutely loves forgiving you. And you are praying for the Spirit to shape that joyful forgiveness in your heart, too. Forgiving someone else 70 times 7 often feels like 489 times too many for me. But our God delights when we show mercy, when we let go of the burden of debt that comes from sin against us. Forgive us as we forgive. Puts what we do and what we receive together in one beautiful symphony of relieving burdens and erasing debts. As we forgive, we are playing in tune with the music of who God is. As we seek forgiveness, we are asking to be put in the right key. As we forgive and receive forgiveness, we are resonating with the delight of the Father who delights to forgive. Deliver us from evil. God absolutely loves delivering you from evil. Evil certainly includes sin, death, and Satan, and evil is broad enough is a broad enough biblical concept to include all kinds of bad stuff. Whatever is wrong in this fallen and sinful world, God loves setting it to right. King David appeals to God's thoughtful delight even as he calls out for rescue from his enemies. Be pleased. O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. God's ratzah, or thoughtful delight, there in Psalm 40, verse 13. Be pleased, ratzah, O Lord, to deliver me. God's thoughtful delight is what God approves, what makes God go, wow! God thoughtfully and joyfully approves of coming to the rescue of saving the helpless, of delivering the people from their enemies. Ratsa, Ra, ratsa, kick him in the other knee. Ratsa, approve, accept, be pleased with, delight in. In fact, that delight in rescuing is part of God's core identity. Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have understood to know me, that I am Yahweh, who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. Yes, for I delight Kafets, yes, please, yes, for in these I delight. Kindness, or covenant love and faithfulness, justice and righteousness, all three are about God setting right things that have gone so terribly wrong in this world. This is God delivering us from evil. It's just part of who God is. Doing justice, righteousness, and covenant faithfulness brings God thoughtful and desirable delight. God's delight 
that is, God's will, shapes our adventure as followers of Jesus who are shaped by the Spirit to do the things that delight the Father. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does Yahweh require of you? To act justly and to have mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God delights in kindness and justice and righteousness, and God loves it when you act justly and love mercy. Walking humbly with your God is a rough equivalent of observing everything I've commanded you. You are putting yourself under God's word of command and promise and direction and exhortation and comfort and warning, and then holding on to those words as if your life depended on it. That's walking humbly with your God. That's obeying everything Jesus commanded you. That's the spirit of the obedient son shaping obedience in you. That's taking pleasure in doing God's good pleasure. That's delighting in God's will and walking in God's ways to the glory of God's holy name. For thine is the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. This final coda of the Lord's Prayer, added later by the church, reminds us that this kingdom we are praying for comes to us ahead of time. But it is still an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that will not be complete or fulfilled in its most ultimate sense until Jesus comes again in glory. It's like tacking on part of the Alleluia Chorus to the end of your prayer. The kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. One day God's kingdom will come completely and God's delight will be done perfectly on earth as it is in heaven. And until that day, every time you receive your daily bread with a thankful heart, every time you ask for forgiveness or offer forgiveness, every time you see God delivering you from evil or inviting you to set this world right in a way that brings your Father delight, every time you pray and live out the Lord's Prayer, you experience the eternal kingdom already present now in Jesus. Jesus delighted in the Father's will. Jesus walked in the Father's ways. Jesus brought and still brings the eternal kingdom. And one day soon, the creation will finally and completely be set right. God's kingdom will come and God's delight be done once and for all, and justice and righteousness and mercy and kindness will have the final and eternal word on all of our brokenness and suffering and failure. We pray for that day. We long for that day. We delight to participate in that coming kingdom already now ahead of time. God's will that is, God's delight, sets the course for this adventure of faith. As a result, we get to delight in God's will and walk in God's ways to the glory of God's holy name. 
Who are you praying for tonight? How does praying for God's delight change how you pray? How you pray for Aunt Elva or Uncle Steve and Aunt Shauna or Cousin Sarah? How you pray for your friends or your family members, for your neighbors, for your church, for the coming election? How does praying for God's delight change what you mean when you pray the Lord's Prayer? Hey, we've got a, a couple of minutes left, and at the very end of this chapter is not only some discussion questions, but there's something called a simple way to pray, and it follows Martin Luther's directions here. It kind of gives you an idea of something, a, a faith experiment you might run just to see how it goes. So let me read you just a couple of these pages. Uh, as long as it's almost Reformation, we, we'll hear again from Martin Luther. A simple way to pray. The reformer Martin Luther was once asked by a barber how to pray. In a warm and friendly letter, Luther suggests that we all need a way to focus our prayer time, just like the barber needs to focus on the hair he is cutting, even if he's holding a conversation at the same time. So Martin shares a simple method that allows him to focus his thoughts in prayer. Luther says he regularly uses this structure to pray from the Ten Commandments or the Apostles' Creed or from a biblical text. You could also use it to spend some focused time going through the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. I kind of invite you to do that this week. This simple method works with a variety of texts for meditation. Luther's a basic approach looks like this. Number one, notice what God is like and how God acts in the text. Now, it doesn't matter whether it's the Apostles' Creed or Genesis chapter 1 or John chapter 1 or maybe even the Lord's Prayer. Notice what God is like and how God acts in the text. What is God teaching you? Number two, offer, ba offer thanks based on the text. What has God done for you? Number three, confess your sins based on the text. And then number four, use the text to say a prayer for strong faith or discipleship growth. Notice what, how, what God is like and how God is acting. What's he teaching you? Offer thanks based on the text. What has God done for you? Confess your sins based on the text and then use the text to pray a prayer for strong faith or discipleship growth. This structure is not supposed to be a straitjacket. Luther goes out of his way to say that if the Holy Spirit begins preaching to you as you pray, that's how Luther put it, if the Spirit begins preaching to you as you pray, let your fixed pattern go and pay attention to what the Spirit is doing. After all, Luther says, he's a much better preacher than I am. This kind of openness to possibilities makes Luther's fourfold process a good prayer experiment to run. Practice this approach over the next few days and see what you learn. Prepare for prayer by inviting the Holy Spirit to open your heart and mind. You could pick any scripture text to focus your meditation, but for the purposes of this chapter, sit with the words of the Lord's Prayer. You might want to have the Lord's Prayer in front of you so you can read it slowly and take your time. Sometimes we rush through prayer we have memorized or even have trouble starting anywhere besides the beginning. I still have to sing the whole alphabet song just to alphabetize anything. You know what I mean? Like you're at L-M-N-O-P-Q. Okay, R-S. Got to kind of sing along. So memorized is good, but it can also be kind of, uh, you cannot mean it if you haven't memorized too. You can write out the Lord's Prayer yourself or you might find it in the front of a hymnal or a prayer book or look it up in your Bible in Matthew 6. 5 to 15, or Luke 11, 1 to 13. It's Matthew 6 and Luke 11. Once you have the Lord's Prayer in front of you, consider Luther's four keys to prayer for each of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. 
How does our Father who art in heaven teach you something about God that is different from give us this day our daily bread? How might deliver us from evil cause you to rejoice or to confess? What changes if you hold on to delight as you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will, thy delight be done? As you pray, pay attention to what the Spirit is doing in you through this word. Jot down some notes or prayer requests if you like. And, as Luther said, if the Spirit guides your thoughts and prayers in a different direction, accept the Spirit's invitation and follow where the Spirit leads. And then there's also some discussion questions you might share with uh, with some friends or family members this week as well. Well, I think it's going to be much better to end there than begin chapter 10, but we are, so chapter 10 and then 11 and 12, 10 and 11 are both the same length as 9, and then ch chapter 12 is a much shorter chapter again. So we've here's what we have left. God's work shapes your adventure, and then God's word propels your adventure, and then the closing chapter uh, called Living with Delight. Hey, thanks so much for being a, a part of this tonight. Uh, please share this with friends or family members. I put a link to the book in case you haven't bought it yet in the description. But even if you have bought it, uh, a little further down, I put a link of a description of the book that has some more kind of verbiage about what this book is and what it's trying to do. I thought that would be a great link for you to share on your Facebook page or to put in your Twitter feed or share on Instagram or maybe even email to a friend or, or a pastor. I, I guess it's not too late to, to buy a pastor, the delight book for Pastor Appreciation Month. Or, or maybe you've got a, a birthday or a celebration coming up. You want to gift someone this book of delight. I gave away a copy today to a friend, and, and it meant a lot for me to say, hey, this book means a lot to me, and I want to share it with you. Who in your life might you be praying for tonight, and who might you give this book as a gift to? Well, that's all for tonight. I'll see you again tomorrow on Facebook Live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Looking forward to it then. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.